Shalom Mishpocha. Welcome to this Kadima Talk. Leaders must be responsible and accountable. Accountability and responsibility are intertwined with each other, yet they are not the same. There are succinct, distinct differences between them. Responsibility can be shared. You can work with a team of people to divide responsibilities. Accountability, on the other hand, is specific to an individual. Responsibility is task-oriented. Every person on a team may be responsible for a given tasks that's required to complete a massive project. Accountability is what happens after a situation has occurred. It's how you respond and take ownership over the results. Even during the most uncertain times, true leaders hold themselves accountable for the results. Responsibility is centered upon specific roles, job descriptions, and skill sets that individuals must complete in order to achieve the goal, mission, or vision. On the other hand, accountability is committed to the successful completion of the tasks assigned to you or willingness to take responsibility for everything that happens, both good or bad, as a result of the actions that were taken. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines responsibility as a quality or state of being responsible, such as moral, legal, or mental accountability. The ability to answer for one's conduct and obligations, to be trustworthy, to be able to choose for oneself between right and wrong. This takes us directly to what the Bible says about responsibility. Throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, Adonai assigns people things they are responsible for, coupled with an expectation of accountability in the assignment he has given them. In the very beginning, Adam was given responsibility over something. In Genesis 2, starting at verse 15, Adonai God took the person and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and care for it. Adonai God gave the person this order. You may freely eat from every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're not to eat from it, because on that day you eat from it, it will become certain that you will die. Adonai gave Adam the responsibility to cultivate, to care for it. This word in the Hebrew is shamar, to keep, guard, observe, protect, to preserve, to put a hedge around and defend. This responsibility of work also came with a responsibility to obey. Adonai gave him a responsibility and held him accountable for it. This responsibility journey was real for Adam and has been real for everyone since Adam. Adonai still gives his children responsibility and holds us accountable to accomplish them. Responsibility is found throughout the Tanakh and Brahadashah. Responsibility is a major theme throughout Scripture. While the Scripture or verse might not directly use the term responsibility, it is certainly implied. And there are several examples that we'll go over here. We have a responsibility to steward our resources. In Luke 12, verse 48, However, the one who did what deserves a beating but didn't know will receive few lashes from him who has been given much, much will be demanded. From someone to whom people entrust much, they ask still more. This verse never mentions the word responsibility, yet we see that we're entrusted and expected to do much with what we have been given. From our definition of responsibility earlier, this is simply being trustworthy. We're given a biblical responsibility to work and sustain yourself and your families. Proverbs 6 verses 9 through 11 says, Lazy bones, how long will you lie there in bed? When will you get up from your sleep? I'll just lie here a bit, rest a little longer, just fold my hands for a little more sleep. Verse 11, and poverty comes marching in on you, scarcity hits you like an invading soldier. Solomon here is talking about the responsibility of work, again, without ever using the word responsibility in the verses. This is a common pattern throughout the Bible, which is why we see the emphasis on responsibility through it. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 10 through 12 says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. If someone won't work, he shouldn't eat. Verse 11, we hear that some of you are leading a life of idleness, not busy working, just busy bodies. 
Verse 12, we command such people, and in union with the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, we urge them to settle down, get to work, and earn their own living. Shaul is saying to act responsibly. Ezekiel gives a very clear definition of responsibility in Ezekiel 18, verse 20. It says, the person who sins is the one that will die. A son is not to bear his father's guilt with him, nor is a father to bear his son's guilt with him. But the righteousness of the righteous will be his own, and the wickedness of the wicked will be his own. The commands and mitzvahs in the Tanakh are connected to blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Torah emphasizes the individual responsibility to respond in morally appropriate, correct ways to Adonai's revealed truth in his word, which he clearly defines as right or wrong. Adonai's children are expected to do responsibly what is right. This has been the case ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam was given a specific command and expected to reasonably obey it. A leader's duties will vary depending upon what organization they are leading. From ministry to corporations and business owners, duties will vary. Leaders must demonstrate their ability to live up to these responsibilities on a daily basis. As a congregation leader, I have a responsibility to provide a safe, clean, and comfortable environment in which to serve the Lord, to minister to Him, and to worship Adonai in spirit and in truth. I have a responsibility to keep the wolves out, to provide still waters and green pasture, to create an atmosphere for God encounters so congregates can be transformed into his image, to grow and reach their full potential in the kingdom, to empower and develop them into Tamadim, into disciples. It requires inspiration and motivation. As a leader, you must get others to do the work necessary for operating your organization. You have to empower and delegate, motivating others to complete tasks and reach objectives diligently. Your staff will gain a sense of purpose and ownership. We have to lead by example leading by example through hard work, dedication, and optimism. Leading by example means influencing others through your character, integrity, and good work ethic that inspires and influences your staff to do the same as you do. It's a servant leadership style where you model the behavior and actions you desire to see in your team. Employee satisfaction and collaboration are important foundations of servant leadership. When your staff see you working hard, following through on objectives, effectively prioritizing and demonstrating unwavering reliability, they will follow suit. It's communicating good vision. Good communication clearly conveys goals and directions. People work better together when they know the goal they are working towards. It's called vision. In group meetings, our vision, mission, and goals are clearly communicated. By reaffirming your goal and vision, each team member has a fresh sense of vision and incentive. Your vision organizes all of your employees' efforts. Don't leave the direction of your organization up to the staff. You are the source for visions and direction. When there's a healthy communication and group motivation that results in high morale and personal discipline. It's also about setting priorities. When it comes to setting visions and directions, it's crucial to set priorities. In many organizations, we see and hear those who are always so busy, but they're clearly working on the wrong tasks. Are your people busy or are they productive? Because there is a difference. Being busy is okay if you're also being productive, working on the tasks that are the correct ones. People in your organization will lack focus if their tasks and work aren't prioritized, making them less productive. Break down your goals, your vision into a series of objectives so that you know what has to get done before you can move on to the next one. By setting priorities, you organize your employees' work and give them a sense of orderly direction. It's also seeking solutions. Problem solving, seeking solutions is a must as you'll have problems and issues arise. It's not if, it's when. You will encounter unexpected problems. And here's a truth that must be recognized. Every problem has a solution, no matter how large or small. 
either solve the problems or delegate problem solving to someone responsible who can get it done. Problems tend to be like confrontation. Many will ignore it and just pray it goes away. This never works. A person who habitually vacillates in making a decision or problem solving will not make a good leader. Decisiveness is born out of convictions concerning the will of God and the right course of action. Great leaders will gather as much information as possible, get counsel from others, pray about the information, the situation, then come to a solution. Remember, the worst possible thing you can do is nothing. This will prevent demoralization among your staff when problems arise. You must have the confidence that you and your employees will be able to problem solve and find solutions for them. And here's a few other areas of responsibility i just go over quickly. Uh, I don't want to define it as much as we did the previous ones. You have to train new staff. You have to give them detailed explanations of what they are to perform, what their tasks are. You have to encourage the staff to collaborate so the ministry or business will be successful. Everyone's got to work together. Enabling each employee to reach their maximum potential and advance them within the organization. You have to acknowledge good conduct. Identifying ineffective techniques and skill sets or procedures. Identifying correct, undesirable behaviors. Rewarding accomplishments. Creating shared ownership for successful outcomes. And accepting accountability for success and unsuccessful results. Responsibility requires accountability. And what is accountability in your workplace? Accountability is a requirement for an effective and influential leader in the workplace. It is defined as taking ownership to ensure responsibilities are achieved as expected. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines accountability as a quality or state of being accountable, especially an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or account for one's actions. Does one choose to tell the truth about their choices and take responsibility for the impact of their actions, whether intended or unattended? Accountability is an acceptance of responsibility for honest and ethical conduct towards others. Accountability, here's the key. Accountability is a choice. Most importantly, we're accountable in Adonai's kingdom. Romans 14, verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, for we must all appear before the Messiah's court of judgment where everyone will receive the good or bad consequences of what he did while he was in the body. And Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14, for God will bring to judgment everything we do, including every secret, whether good or bad. And here's the final conclusion. Now that you have heard everything, fear God and keep his mitzvot. This is what being human is all about. Wise leaders don't wait for a moral failure or crisis to establish accountability. Accountability relationships cannot be imposed. They must be invited. The onus is on leaders to establish structures and relationships that harness sin and unleash their potential. We must seek out godly people from a tour character and give them permission and authority to ask us the tough questions. It requires honesty and vulnerability, risky things that leaders are often skittish about. However, as anyone who has suffered the consequence of a fall will tell you, an ounce of prevention is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. King David's failure with Bathsheba is legendary, but it could have been prevented had he had someone in his life that could hold him accountable and speak truth to him, one who could question him honestly. And see, there was a pattern here. First, it started with one wife for David, then many wives, then a harem, then Bathsheba. Then he wasn't where he was supposed to be in the spring when kings go to war. The signs were all there. One tragic factor that often gets overlooked in this story is that Uriah wasn't just a faceless soldier in David's army. Uriah was one of David's mighty men, according to 2 Samuel 23, verse 39. This was a man with whom David had a warrior relationship with. He betrayed a fierce, loyal comrade. You know, in our armed services today, 
This is one of the most grievous sins one can do, to sleep with, to have an affair with the spouse of their shipmate. This is intolerable and frowned upon in the military forces still to this day. Most leaders don't experience a sudden blowout in their lives. Most often, it begins as a slow leak, something innocent that leads to disaster. It all begins with a small compromise. Despite the magnitude of his moral failure, David was accountable when he was confronted, saying in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against Adonai. And Nathan said to David, Adonai also has taken away your sin. You will not die. So David did repent. Accountability is one way to build trust in your workplace. People trust leaders who aren't quick to blame others. If things don't go as planned, but who instead take accountability for the role and the consequences. Your inner circle from our last Kadima talk is a good place to incorporate accountability. Mature mentors who will keep things in check in your life, in your workplace, in whatever position you hold. Now, this brings me back as we start rounding this out. I'm going to share a sea story from my last submarine that, that really speaks to this both of responsibility and accountability. So my division officer on my last ship was a good guy. He's a believer. He's a family man. But we have two communities in the submarine force. We have the fast attack submarines, which are aggressive hunters, seekers of other submarines and ships. And we also have what we call the SSBN, which carry the intercontinental ballistic missiles. Now, the SSNs are aggressive, and, and we go after stuff. The SSBN community, those submarines, their whole purpose is to hide so that, God forbid, that day we have to launch those missiles, uh, that they'll remain undetected and we'll be able to fire off all those missiles without another submarine finding them. So when you transition, you start in that SSBN force, and you come to the fast attack force for the front, for the tactical people. Running the nuclear reactor really is no different between those two communities. But handling, ship handling, tactics, aggressive fighting, that varies greatly between these SSBNs and these SSNs. Fast attack submarines, again, are hunters. We aggressively search for enemy submarines and go after them. But again, the others, the SSBNs, because of their nature and their nuclear missile payloads strategically hide. So, and I'm not going to name my division officer. Uh, I don't want to put him out on a poll here, but he was having a hard time acclimating to the aggressive SSN community. Now, he was my division officer, so it was my responsibility to teach him, to train him, and get him up to speed in our fast attack tactics and how we do things. So we had an incident one watch, and he was the uh, officer of the deck, and I was a sonar supervisor, and uh, he wasn't as aggressive as he should be in employing the ship. And at that time, I went out to control. I had a chat with him, but uh, he didn't take the advice. So after the watch, we were both called in to the COs, the commanding officer's quarters, and the skipper immediately began ripping into my lieutenant. And in the middle of the tongue lashing, I interrupted the captain, which is also a grave faux pas. I took responsibility for the issue, explained to the skipper that it was my fault, that it was a training issue, and I apologized for the situation and gave him a plan for how I would resolve it. I took full accountability for what had happened. Now, my lieutenant looked dazed and confused. He was shocked. But the captain looked at me with a slight Cheshire grin, said thank you, and dismissed us both. There's a very powerful lesson here. I could have let that lieutenant hang, and I'd have been scot-free. But that wasn't right. I earned the captain's complete trust and respect. I earned the lieutenant's complete trust and respect and some gratitude for saving his tanking naval career. The lieutenant never waved off my recommendations after that. It's a training lesson I'll never forget. You've got to be responsible, and you also have to be accountable. Ms. Bokah, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
Shalom. <laughs>